Well, good morning. How are you? This section is especially rowdy today. Let's hear from you guys one more time. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Well, my name is Bobby. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And I just want to echo everything we said already this morning. We hope that this has been a welcoming place for you, both here and also online. Uh, I don't know if you realize it or not, but on any given Sunday, we have hundreds of people that jump on Sugar Hill Church, live.sugarhill.church, literally here in the state, but also around the world. So if you don't mind here in the room, show them some love for everybody that's watching online. We're glad you're here today. Glad you're part of it. It's been a great day today already. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Aren't you part of today? It's been an incredible, incredible day. I do want to give a quick shout out. I know every single Sunday we have people that have joined us for the very first time, or sometimes it's the first time, maybe in a long time. I got to uh, see the brands just a few minutes ago who, who have been watching online, but I haven't seen in person. And so we are so glad. We love it. We love, love, love getting to see your faces and knowing that you're watching online. But if you are new around here, there's a QR code we'll put on the screen just for a second, we'd love for you to take a moment and fill out the form that, that, that will pop up with that code because we would like to send you a free gift and also drop you a simple little email this week that would open up a two-way conversation where if you've got any questions at all, we'd love to be able to answer that. But we're so glad you're here. Now, if you haven't been here the last past couple of weeks, we've been in a teaching series called The Way, The Truth, and The Life. This is what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And man, if you've been here, Pastor Chuck has preached straight fire. Are you with me? It's been an incredible, incredible series. Week one talked all about who do you say that I am? And it was Jesus saying, what are people saying about me? And so week one, Pastor Chuck did an amazing job talking about just the, the, who Jesus is. He's not just a person. He's not just a good teacher. Who is Jesus? And then last week we came back and along those same lines of the way, the truth, and the life, uh, very uh, close to that passage, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm giving you a brand new command. And you can imagine in their day and age where they had grown up around the Ten Commandments for Jesus to say, I'm giving you a new command. It was a big deal. And here's the command that Jesus gave them. He said, I want you to love one another. Now that seems simple, doesn't it? On paper, it seems simple to say we should love one another. But can we be honest? That can be kind of hard in real life. Are you tracking with me? That there's people around us that were like, I love everybody, but I don't know if I could love that, you know what I'm saying? Can I be honest? On my way to church this morning, I'm going down Peach Street Industrial. I'm running a little later than I expected. Any of y'all have that problem on Sundays? Y'all have that problem? Yeah. And uh, so I'm coming down Peach Street Industrial. And just when I think I'm going to pull in on time, there's some bicycle race thing going on today. And so I get stopped multiple times. And so here I am on my way to church to talk about love one another. And I'm sitting there in traffic saying, that's a knucklehead. Hey, can I be honest about that? Y'all pray, pray for your pastors. And so uh, it's a simple command, but super powerful when we live it out. Next week, as Pastor Karan mentioned, it's going to be really, really insightful. Pastor Chuck and Julie Homrich, who are piloting what we're calling the Clear Path Counseling Network with a hope of serving families so well in our community. They're going to have a really good uh, discussion around how do you prepare your mind for this new school year, both if you have kids or grandkids or even as, a, as an adult. How, how, what does God do to renew our mind? And so I can't wait for next week. But today, I want to give us something really practical. As we wrap up this idea of the way, the truth, and the life, 
and Jesus modeling the life that we're supposed to live, I want to look at just a couple of verses where Jesus models something that every single one of us can do. I think sometimes when we're in moments like this and we hear people say, well, you just need to live for Jesus and you need to do what Jesus would do, sometimes we have this filter and we ask ourselves this question, yeah, but how can I do that? I don't know if you've ever been frustrated like that. Growing up, I, I was always the, the skeptical kid in the back of the room where the pastor would get all preachy and say, you gotta live for Jesus and give him glory because I'm from Mississippi and that's the way you preach over there. And, um, and I would be in the back of the room and say, well, how do you do that? I mean, what is something tangible? What is something practical? How do we live that out? And so I wanna show you a snapshot, because what I love in scripture is we don't just see what Jesus said, we also see what Jesus literally did. And today, as we look at that, what Jesus modeled is something that we all can do, every single one of us, whether you're new to church or you've been around a long time, whether you're new to faith or you've been around faith a long time, whether you're watching online or you're in the room, there's something that Jesus models that every single one of us can do. And then at the end, I'm going to invite you to be part of something that we so believe in that we are praying that you guys, that we together can make a huge impact. Does that sound okay? So let's dive in today. If you have a Bible, if you have a Bible app, I'm going to invite you to follow along. We'll also have it on the screens today, but it comes from Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has been traveling from city to city, and he's been doing un unbelievable ministry. He's on the most important mission on the planet. So today when I got frustrated just driving to church uh, because of a, a, a two-minute delay, you can imagine Jesus being on the most important mission on the planet on his way to the cross. You can imagine how busy and how dialed in and how focused he could be. But here's what it says in Matthew chapter 9, starting down in verse 35. It says, And when Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of affliction. Let me just pause there for a second. Let me say that's a pretty important mission, right? This is impactful. This is Jesus. Hey, here's what I've come here to do. Here, here's my mission. Here's what I'm doing. So he's going from all these places doing amazing, amazing work. But then look down at verse 36. It says, when he saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and they were helpless and they were like sheep without a shepherd. So on this mission, on his way to some next great thing, it says, and he saw the crowd and he had compassion on them for they were like sheep without a shepherd. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let me pray for us and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of today. Thank you that you do model the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray for every single one of us, myself included, that you'd help us to do what you would do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today, as we look at this, there are three specific actions that I believe all of us can take. And here's the first one. Number one, we need to open our eyes. We need to open our eyes. We got to open our eyes. And I, I know that sounds simple, but here's what I found. In fact, let me take a survey. How many of you would say that you, you're mostly an extrovert? Show of hands. How many of you are mostly extrovert? Let me see those hands, 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 hands. How many of you would say that you're an introvert? Anybody introverts? Look at those hands go. There's probably more, but we don't like to raise our hands. <laughs> and here's what I found. 
when we're around a lot of people, a lot of the time, if we're not careful, we'll quit seeing them as individuals and we'll just sort of lump them together. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like if you're at Target on a Saturday, which if that's you, your prayer life needs to go up. Or, or if you're one of those crazy people that lines up at Costco at 7.30 a.m. or whatever, right? Uh, sometimes if we're not careful, when we're around a lot of people, we'll quit seeing people and we'll just start seeing a crowd. We'll quit seeing individuals, we'll just sort of see them as a group. And, and if we're tempted by that, Jesus came in human form, Jesus could have been tempted by that as well. I mean, Jesus was around a lot of people a lot of the time. He was teaching in synagogues. There's people that even when he retreated to pray and wanted to uh, uh, spend time alone with his heavenly father, there's people that would seek them out. And so Jesus could have just clicked off. Jesus could have just said, man, there's just these masses. There's no way I could spend time with all of them. But here's what I love in this picture. It says when he saw the people, when he saw the crowd, Jesus saw people as people. Jesus saw people as having incredible worth. Jesus saw people not as a distraction, not as a nuisance, not as an obstacle for whatever he's going to do. Jesus saw them and he saw that they have great value. And I think this is an action point for us today, for us to realize that those those flesh-colored things that we see in our peripheral vision, those are actually people. Those people that are around us have incredible worth that every single person we put our eyeballs on or every single person that maybe we don't even see, those people were made in the image of God. They have this, this underwritten value in their life because they reflect the image of God. They have a soul that's gonna spend forever somewhere. They're not an accident. They're not a, a happenstance. They're not, they're not wasting space on this planet. Every single person matters. Whether they believe everything we believe or not, whether they vote the way we, we vote or not, whether they serve the way that we serve or not, whether they have the zip, same zip code as us or not, whether they live in the same continent as we do or not, every single person matters. And we have to open our eyes to see that. Probably about 15 years ago, uh, before I moved here to Sugar Hill, I was serving with a nonprofit organization that was all about uh, raising up awareness about the world's youth and the idea that that 95% of the world's youth lives somewhere else besides the U.S. And yet here in the U.S. we have 95% of the resources to reach them. And so my job was to tour with the, the band Casting Crowns and in every city we were in to meet with youth pastors and volunteer youth workers and just talk to them about what would it be like to reach the globe. And one of the things that I learned on the tour uh, was that there were people whose job was to stay invisible. They're part of the crew. They're, they're the people that would, when, uh, when somebody like Austin would break a string, they would, they would come out with a new guitar. They'd swap it out for them. Or if somebody lost a drumstick, they, they'd slide out. And so they would wear all black. And the goal was they would wait until there was some scene change or some lighting change. And they would try to slide out to the stage, do their job, slide back out and remain invisible. And that became a very tangible picture to me of how a lot of people feel in our world today. 
I think every single person's asking this internal, no matter how boisterous they are on the outside, no matter how confident they look on the outside, no matter how together they seem, every single person wants to, is asking this question, do you see me? Do you see that I have worth? Do you see that I'm made in the image of God? Do you see that my life matters? And for all of us to follow the example of Jesus to say, I'm going to open my eyes. I'm going to see the people around me as people that have great worth. I'm going to see the people around me as people that have great value. I'm going to, I'm going to see the people around me as made in the image of God and they matter and they need to know Jesus' love and experience it. And so this is tangible. Every one of us, no matter what age we are, no matter what stage you are, every single one of us can, number one, open our eyes so that we can see. But there's a second thing that Jesus models. Not only to open our eyes, but to open our hearts. To open our hearts. What's interesting is when it talks about Jesus seeing the crowd, it says, and he saw them, and here's the next phrase, he had compassion for them. He doesn't just see them and keep moving. He doesn't just say, oh, they're like sheep without a shepherd. I can't believe these people. If you don't know the imagery, uh, sheep without, sheeps, sheep and shepherds, I almost said sheeps because I am from Mississippi. Anyway, um, uh, sheep aren't known for being incredibly bright. They wander around. They, they're afraid of water that's flowing. They, they, uh, they, they don't know when to eat. Sometimes they end up in, 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 in ditches and broken legs and all these things. And so there's so much imagery behind this. And, and so when Jesus sees them, he sees them that they have incredible worth and that they're going to spend forever somewhere. And they're made in the image of God. And that when Jesus is going to die on the cross, he's going to die for them as well. But in the moment that he sees them, his heart breaks for them because it looks like they're just wandering in darkness. It looks like they're just going around in circles. It just looks like they don't know where hope comes from. And so when Jesus sees them, he sees their potential, but he also sees where they're at at that moment. They're directionless. They're, they're, they're grasping for straws, so to speak. They're trying to figure out the direction. And what's interesting is Jesus doesn't go off on them. Jesus doesn't say, I can't believe you people. What a dumb sheeps you guys are. <laughs> Maybe we could get a sheeps shirt at the Sugar Hill resource store. He doesn't beat them up. Instead, his heart breaks for them. That word compassion, if you were to drill down into that word compassion in the original language of Greek, it literally means that his stomach turned inside of him. Have you ever seen something that just hit you like you felt it in your gut? That literally is what is happening. Jesus doesn't beat them up. He doesn't preach at them. He doesn't say, I can't believe you people. I can't believe you're doing that. I can't believe you're wandering. I can't believe you're buying. I can't believe you're, you know, whatever sheep do. He doesn't do that. Instead, when he sees them wandering around, his heart, his gut breaks for them. And for every single one of us, we can do that. That when we open our eyes and we see people the way that God sees them, then we can open our hearts to love them the way that God would love them. I, I'll never forget this. About 15 years ago, I, I was part of a mission trip to Israel and I preached at a youth camp. And when I showed up at this youth camp, there's about 90 students. Uh, some spoke English, some spoke Hebrew, some spoke Russian. And I show up there to teach through the book of Joshua. And I'm telling you, I was, I, I, I felt 
so inadequate. I'm thinking, how am I going to open the Bible and talk about Joshua when these people live here and they know it better than I do? And so I felt intimidated. And back in those days when you're singing the songs, we didn't have the big screen. We had the overhead projector. You remember that? And uh, so the person that was running the overhead projector had the different, uh, uh, what do you call them? The cells, the pay, the transparencies and uh and they had it the songs in all three languages and they tried to squeeze them on the screen and it was unbelievable but one of the things that i learned while i was there was that for most teenagers they don't know how long they're going to live and what i mean by that is they're required to join the military when they turn 18 and so if i remember right guys are required to be in for three years girls are required to be in for two years but everybody's going to do it and so their mentality is, well, I don't know what's going to happen when I'm in military service. Maybe I'm not going to live very long. And so if I don't know how long I'm going to live, I might as well live it up now. Are you tracking with me? And so, so teenagers had that mentality. Parents even had that mentality. Just do whatever you want to. You don't know how long you're going to be. Just do whatever you want to. And so it broke my heart. Here I am uh, in Israel, the land that Jesus physically walked on this earth. I'm with uh, a lot of Jewish people that Jesus came to die for. And yet they don't live with hope. And one of the most gut-wrenching moments was when our team loaded up to get on the van to head to the airport at the end of the week. And a lot of those students circled our van. They held hands and started singing the songs that we had taught them, not wanting us to leave. Because they weren't going home to churches like Sugar Hill Church that has a heart for the next generation. They weren't going home to leadership. And it just opened my heart. What is that for you? There's something for you that that happens. There's something for you that when you, when you saw it, you couldn't unsee it. And so we've got to open our eyes and see people the way that Jesus sees them. We've got to open our hearts and, and actually care, not just write them off, not just keep moving, just say, not just saying, man, I can't do every, I can't meet everybody's needs, so I might as well not even meet anybody's need. But a third thing that every single one of us can do is not just open our eyes and see them, not just open our hearts and care about them, but we can open our mouths. And so Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And then here's what Jesus says. He says, the harvest is plentiful. So he's using this, this agricultural sort of picture. The, the harvest is plentiful. There's, there's fruit ready to come in. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. That he'd send out more workers into the harvest. That's something all of us can do. At the very least, every single one of us can pray for the people around us. Every single one of us can pray here in Sugar Hill or around the globe. Jesus, would you send more workers? Jesus, would you send more workers? Jesus, man, there's a harvest around us. And when I think about our city that we're in today, and I think about the growth all around us, and I think uh, a lot of churches, they have to go somewhere else to reach people. And I think, man, I, I thank God every single day that Sugar Hill keeps growing because God's bringing more and more people to this community that you and I can reach. Let's pray for that. They're people. They have value. Is, is reaching people worth sitting at a light a little bit longer? Is reaching people worth uh, giving up some of our conveniences the way it's always? I think absolutely because they, they're going to last forever somewhere so we can pray. But what's interesting is in the next couple of verses, 
one chapter later in our Bibles, but in the original, there's no chapter number. Just a few moments later, the same people that pray, Jesus says, now I want you to go and do something about it. And I believe that God has invited us to do something about it. As many of you know, we go really deep here in our community. We love being on our school campuses. We love partnering with local organizations. We love our connection to the city. We absolutely love where we live, but we also have a huge heart for the globe. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but so many people around the globe are living in extreme poverty today. And extreme poverty is living on less than $2 a day. And one of the things that happens if we're not careful is we get so caught up in our day-to-day, we get so caught up in our first world problems, we get so caught up in all of the stuff around us that we forget that what the Bible teaches is that when God blesses us, he blesses us in turn to be a blessing. And he says in scripture, to whom much is given, much is required. And so to think about the fact that around the globe there today are young men and young ladies that are living in extreme poverty. And when I see, say poverty, obviously we think about physical poverty. We think about those kind of things, but poverty is also social poverty or educational poverty and the, the found emotional poverty and the foundation is they're living in spiritual poverty. And I don't think when God looks down at us, God is shocked by the fact that so many people here in the U.S. have access to resources and have access to, uh, uh, to, to, to education and social and, and spiritual, and yet the rest of the world is hurting. I think God looks down at us as his big C church, but also his Sugar Hill church, and says, I've blessed you so that you can be a blessing. And one of the things we believe at Sugar Hill is that you can never outgive God. One of the things we believe at Sugar Hill is it's always best to serve. We believe here in Sugar Hill that God has called us to make room for more. And so we partner with other organizations that have a game plan, that have a strategy that's proven, and they, that they're people that we can send money and our people to, and we can go deep for a long, long time to help eliminate poverty in the name of Jesus. And one of those partners that many of you know about is Compassion International. If you don't know Compassion International, they are in 25 countries and they've been there for 72 years. And because of the work that they do through the local churches in these communities, the Sugar Hill churches of their countries, get this, every, on average, every 3.8 minutes, either a child or their parent is giving their life to Christ through their work. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. And today, what I'm inviting every single one of us to do is to sponsor a child through compassion. And what does that mean? What does it mean to sponsor a child through compassion? It means that we have three countries that we target as Sugar Hill Church. We target Haiti, the Dominican Republic, and Kenya. And so we have packets that each represent a very real child who needs a sponsor that for $38 a month, not only do they get a couple of, uh, of uniforms for school, not only do they get school tuition, 
paid for. Not only do they get several meals throughout the month to keep them healthy, but every single week they get uh, an encounter with the gospel of Jesus and they get it through a local church and it makes all the difference in the world. These are real children. These aren't mass produced. These aren't multiples and multiple churches today. This is represents a specific child that needs somebody to say, maybe I can make room for one more. One more in my family picture, one more at my family table, one more as, I, as we get ready to start school that I can make room for one more. This actually is Becky. Becky lives in Kenya and Becky has this red alert on here that says priority rate waiting child. And it says Becky has been waiting for 190 days for somebody to rescue her. This is a real person in Kenya. And what I love about Becky is she's so young that whoever sponsors her could have a long relationship with her. And by the time she gets 18, she's not gonna need this program anymore. She's likely gonna go to college. She's likely gonna be a community leader. Likely she's gonna be a world changer because somebody made room for her. And what's been amazing, what I love about our church is that uh, somebody was just asking the question, do you think that we could step up and help? Because over the years, we've, we've, you guys have actually rescued about 500, a little over 500 kids through our partnership with Compassion International. And our prayer today is that we'd add another 100 to that, that we'd go over 600 today. And somebody's like, well, is this really the right time for that? I mean, we're getting back to school and people have been traveling and people have been doing all this stuff. Really, is this the time to think about it? And I'm like, this is absolutely the time to think about it. I need reminders like this when I'm tempted to forget that the world is bigger than us and that you get to step into somebody's life and actually give them hope. In fact, I wanna show you a picture of Darison. Darison is the child that Laura and I have been sponsoring for a number of years now. He lives in the Dominican Republic and we we're actually able to be at his ninth birthday a couple years ago and it was incredible. In fact, there's a picture of the cake on the next one. It was so fun to, as you can see, somebody put icing on his face. I don't know who would have done that. But anyway, so we got to meet Darison in person. And when we were getting ready to leave the Dominican, and I think Laura would agree to this, we felt like we were leaving a piece of our heart back there. It was hard to say bye to Darison. And it was actually Darison that looked at us and said, don't be sad, we'll see each other again. I thought, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And so I don't wanna just tell you about it. I want you to see a picture or just a short video clip about the impact that sponsorship has today. And then I'm gonna invite you. For some of you, it's not, should you pray about it? It should not pray about whether you should do it or not. For some of you, it's let's pray about how many we should do. There's, there's some people that, that sponsor a child per kid that they have. And so they try to get roughly the same birthday. So as their, their, their physical kids are growing up, their sponsor kids are growing up as well. And they, they give their kids the assignment to write letters. There's some grandparents that are like, I wanna leave a legacy for my grandkids. And so they, they sponsor a child per grandkid and they put them on assignment, write the letters, write the letters, make the connection so that one day you can pass on. There's some people that have companies that are looking for tax deductible ways to make a difference. And there's companies that are like, we want to sponsor five kids or small groups that are like, we want to go in together and sponsor a child. And so really, I believe the question isn't whether or not we should do it. The question is how deep does God want us to do? It makes a difference. It changes the life of these kids and their families. Check out the screens for a moment as you see the impact that child sponsorship has. 
growing up as a child, life was very hard. And many other times that if we didn't have food, then we would go to scavenge in the, in the dumping sites. I didn't have food the day before, neither the other day before. I only knew that I was hungry and I needed food. As a child, I grew up with a lot of hopelessness and I knew that death was the best thing for me. At the age of seven, I lost three family members. I lost my mom and I lost my stepdad. I lost my small brother, Patrick, because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. In the middle of prostitution. Feeling so helpless. Poverty made me feel less valued. It made me feel not loved. It made me feel uh, less of a human. when you have not eaten dinner and knowing you not have lunch and you're not assured for dinner the following day, it's just feeling very helpless, like things are not gonna be better. I lost four of my siblings due to preventable diseases. Uh, three of them died before the age of five. My sister, we were sleeping with her in the same bed and she, she had died. Things changed later when I joined the program. When I started attending the Compassion Project, I was learning about the Bible, but the most important thing for me was that I was receiving food. I got an opportunity to go to school uh, with a pair of school uniform, with a pair of shoes. My mother heard about a church that worked with children. They're taking care of me, tutors, a pastor, a compassion director. Words are very powerful. My life was changed because someone told me, I believe in you, I love you, and I know you will succeed in life. My sponsor was a college student from Michigan, and in the first letter, she just told me that she wanted to make room for me. My sponsor, he was eight years old when I was nine, so he was one year younger than me. One decision to make room for one more changed my life. Saved my life. Saved my life. Will you make room for a child that needs you? Will you make room for one more? It's up to you. My name is Rafael. My name is David. My life was changed by a 26 years old college student. Her name is Joan. Gail and Roger. Her name is Jamie. My sponsor made room for one more. And that one more. And that one more was me. Was me. Sponsor a child through compassion today. Release a child from poverty in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? It makes such 
a huge difference. And man, I know the heart of this church is to be part of something that matters. The heart of this church is to go deep with people and to help change the spiritual legacy that we in the name of Jesus today can rescue over a hundred kids and give them the hope of Jesus and a bright future. Uh, in just a moment, we're gonna stand together and, and uh, we're gonna have a time of prayer over each of these cars that represent very real lives. And uh, in a moment during that time of prayer, I'm gonna invite you, if you're ready, I'm gonna invite you just to step out and find one of the tables near you and they're throughout the worship center. Or if you're watching online, we actually have a way that you can text in and be part of this, where you would just text the letters SHC and you would text them to the number 83393, 83393. So even online, you can be part of this today. And man, we believe that Jesus is gonna do such a big work in these lives and these hearts that yes, we're making a difference in Sugar Hill, but we believe God's making a difference around the world. So if you don't mind, let's stand together as we pray for these. And in just a moment when I finish praying and we just stay in that attitude of worship, I'm gonna invite you to come to one of these tables and what you'll find is a packet. And inside the packet is just one card that has three sections. You keep the first two sections. These first two sections tell you about the child, tells you about their community, about their family. You keep the top two. And then you just tear off the third part. And this is the part that you fill out to be able to sponsor. It's $38 a month and it makes the difference in the lives of so many kids. In fact, as I get ready to pray, this I told you this is Becky and Becky's been waiting for a sponsor for about 190 days. And I think there's probably somebody here that would like to take Becky. And so let's pray today. And then after I finish praying, we'll stay here in a moment of worship and just invite you to come to the tables and grab a table. There's some pins there if you wanna start filling out the, 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 uh, the form that's in there as well. And then you just turn them in in the lobby at the tables. Heavenly Father, Thank you for today and thank you for little ones like Becky that are made in your image that are so, so valuable. Thank you for a church that has a heart for the world and has a heart for the next generation. And Father, we pray that if it would please you that we'd be able to rescue over a hundred more kids today, that they would come to know you as their Savior and Lord, that they would be well-fed and nourished and educated. But our prayer is that they would come to know you and they'd live for you and they'd be change makers in their world. Father, we give this time to you. We pray that you would draw us to yourself and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. As we stay in this attitude of worship in this moment of this response to God, the tables are here, the pictures are here. They represent a real child that needs rescuing. I'm just gonna invite you to come. Would you come? Would you come to the table? Would you find the child that God has for you? Maybe somebody even wants to take Becky today. Oh, awesome. And as we respond, would you pray over these kids? Would you pray for what God is doing in each of their hearts? We're gonna rescue one as well and add to our table today. So I invite you to come, I invite you to come. me when I was a teenager and I felt God calling me to do something, I was a little bit nervous, to be honest with you. I, I, I was afraid, well, what if I say yes and I can't follow through? Or 
does this really, does this really fit what God's called me to do? And I had one of those moments where my heart just kept beating in my chest, beating in my chest, beating in my chest. And honestly, I needed somebody like me to say, if you've been thinking about this, if this is something God's placed in your heart, I invite you to come. So if you're like me and you need somebody to say that, if you need somebody to say, man, what you do is going to make a difference and, and you're going to make a huge impact in their life. If you need somebody to say that, man, I'm saying that for you today. I am not ashamed to invite you to be part of something that is so powerful and so life-changing. If you have other questions, we do have tables in the lobby that are manned with folks in our Compassion Church. We'd love to answer any questions you have. You just fill out that third part and turn it in at the tables. And man, I'm telling you, that's a blessing. If you're watching online, that number again is 83393, just the letters SHC. But as these respond, and as we can, we close out our time together, Let's sing this song out. Let's worship this together before we head out today. Let's sing this out. Team, would you lead us? The Lord bless you and keep That's our prayer today, right? Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace the Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face toward you and give and that's our prayer today. This is actually a prayer from the Old Testament, from the book of Numbers. It's known as the priestly prayer. And that's our prayer over these kids. And this is our prayer over your lives today. Let's pray together. And if you're here at the tables, feel free to keep doing that. Uh, if you need to hang out afterwards and look over these, I invite you to do that. We have more in the lobby. We'd love for you to pray over and find the person that God has for you. But let's pray over these today. Heavenly Father, our prayer is the words that come right out of Numbers that you, Lord that you'd bless them, that, Lord, you'd keep them, that, Lord, you'd cause your face to shine upon them. And I love the part that you'd give them peace. Lord, that's our prayer today. We believe everybody needs to experience your peace to know that relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray that over my friends here in Sugar Hill and online, but I pray that over these kids from around the world, that you'd bless them and keep them and that you would shine upon them and you'd give them peace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, God bless you guys. Thank you for being such a generous and loving church. These tables are here. They're out in the lobby as well if you're still checking them out. God bless you guys.